Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where normally we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to insult it like brainstorming fanfiction. Ah, uh, but this week, since we're uh, getting on our the end of our second year of existence, what's going on on your end? You're moving your laptop every which way. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to X out of a bunch of other stuff and hopefully Brian isn't downloading something. Okay, you're not? Okay. Ryan says he's not. <laughs> Anyways, it's an episode, it's it's our it's our second anniversary annual Q&A special with me, Tanner, they, them, and Lindsay, she, her. Yay. Hi. Yay. Say hello, Lindsay. Hi, everybody. Hi. And not if I put you first fashion, we have immediately gone off the rails. We didn't even get to the intro properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry to All our right. first-time listeners. <laughs> Why are you starting on episode 100? This is not a good jumping on. Wait, this is even this is 102. <laughs> this is like the poor schmucks who start reading a comic book at issue 400. So actually, episode 100 might be a good jumping on point because it does have a whole musical number at the end recapping everything. Oh wow. Anyway, let's first. I want to start off with some news. Uh, remember a month or so ago when we were talking about the Scott Pilgrim game and how it's stuck in rights limbo? Yep. <laughs> well, it's it's coming back! Thanks, Ubisoft? No, we don't thank Ubisoft for anything. Thank you, Brian Lee O'Malley. Okay, thank you, Brian Lee O'Malley. Um, yeah, arriving uh, December of this year, and we are- res- actually, thank us, we're solely responsible for this. <laughs> We birthed it into existence. We talked it into existence. We we planted the seed and we secreted it into reality. <laughs> we are actually a uh, split up Iluvatar from the uh, Tolkien mythology. Now you've lost me. I, I don't know. I did technically read the Silmarillion. I don't know why. I didn't understand any of it. <laughs> you were too young. Probably. I was too young to read The Hobbit. Even though that's technically a children's novel, but I'm not giving that to a child, unless it's except as punishment. <laughs> Look, children from the 1930s were different. Yeah, they they didn't have taste. <laughs> Sorry, sorry to all the Tolkien fans, which apparently there's a lot because I keep on seeing more and more Lord of the Rings memes on my like feeds every day. But I, I this is this is the hell I'm dying on. The Hobbit is too long and too boring. <laughs> And I already wasn't planning on seeing the Hobbit movies ever, but when back way back in the day when they announced that they were splitting it into three movies, I said, how? It's a book where nothing happens. Yeah. There's honestly two halves, but yeah, it could have easily have been pared down to one movie. Anyways. <laughs> so, this is a Q&A episode. Yes. Or some kind of fan interaction episode. I want to start this off with a special fan interaction. Um, technically, our first piece of fan mail from... Maureen Martyr. Hey, remember Maureen Martyr from the Flash Dance episode, uh, who's the inspiration for the whole movie Flash Dance, and then got screwed over by, like, lawyers and shit? Yes. Well, apparently, she, uh, she found us. She, we, she heard us say her name, and she was like, I want to see what these people are saying to me, and, and fortunately, she approved what we said to her about her. <laughs> um, so she sent us an email it's, uh, saying, interesting take on my story, folks. Yes, I'm still alive. I liked your observation about fan family. But what the hell was that about Toronto? <laughs> anyway, suffice it to say that any story about me or a Flashdance quote-unquote sequel, for that matter, 
needs my consent and my input, despite what was done to me in 1980. I do like your idea for the final scene, though. Acceptance speech at the Oscars works for me. Wink. Uh, <laughs> cheers, Maureen. P.S. The music I used in my shows was from various eras, nothing at all from the mid to late 80s. And, by the way, Jeannie was a composite of Headley's girlfriend at the time and a dancer who was a former figure skater. Tom's former girlfriend, Jeannie, lives in L.A. Um, she also sent some pictures, because um, there's a scene of Alex, the character Alex, in some kind of red kimono. And it turns yes. out that's an actual kimono that Ma Maureen owns. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Also, also, can I just say... I'm, I'm not going to say that Maureen looks like how my mom did in the 80s, but I will say that there's something about photos taken in the 80s that is more 80s than any movie set in the 80s in any film. M moving pictures do not properly capture the aura of the 80s the same way that film does. It's something, or like like photo film. It's something about the grain yeah. and the lighting because there's always just a little bit of glare. Oh, and everyone had the big hair. Like my mom even had big black 80s curls. <laughs> my mom had fire engine red poodle hair in the 80s. Oh, criminy. <laughs> Honestly, her 90s hair was a lot better. And was then we uh, we had a little bit other correspondence with her afterwards. Uh, we, um, and she just reiterated that uh, yeah, she she um, any further stories about her life do need to have her input. To which we say yes, obviously, and we would love to if Maureen ever comes out with like a, an autobiographical documentary or her own tell-all story or something like that. Yeah. We'll obviously love to see it and support it and buy it, and you mm -hmm. all should too because. When stories like this kind of get snatched up by the studios, yeah. you gotta, we need to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. And like we said in the Flash Ads episode, they were fucking allergic to crediting anyone in that film. Yeah. At least they credited the dog. Yeah, oh, yeah, they credited the dog. <laughs> you know, they probably wouldn't have credited the dog if the dog didn't have as good a name. Yeah. As Jumbo Red. <laughs> so... So long story short, Maureen Martyr's real actual story deserves to be told with her input, and she yes. gets the royalties. Yes. We'll even watch the CBC version. We'll, we'll have, oh, we should, we should do like a whole uh, watch-along party. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you with your wine, me with, I don't know, I'll probably have a noisy bag of chips, because that's my snack of choice. Ah, that's cool. <laughs> now let's move on to some of the, the Twitter interactions we got, because we only got one email. Everything else was asked via Twitter. Yeah. Um, so we did get some messages from Sam regarding just some stuff in our Reboot Reboot. Mm -hmm. So, one, transition from a Judeo-Christian theology of a user to a more D&D alignment chart of user deities. That more reflects the modern world of some users working towards positivity and change on the net versus some who are just pure chaotic evil. Yeah. And that's a really interesting idea, um, and it's definitely something that I'm surprised didn't necessarily come up during the show itself when people were hopping from system to system. Because mm -hmm. th lots of people know like the ideas of white hat and black hat hackers, uh, just because that's from westerns and whatnot. Yeah. Um, a whole western hacking episode. <laughs> are there gray hats? I don't know. I think gray hats are like the ones that just like to cause chaos. Like they're not doing it to yeah. help or hinder anything. They're just like, haha! Look at this thing I can do. Yeah. I've hacked into the government of Canada pay website because <laughs> it's held together by duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> At that, honestly, the Phoenix system doesn't need any hacking. It hacked itself. Yeah. 
Some people just want to watch the world burn. A week later, we saw a boy playing with a tangerine the size of a tangerine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do a very good Michael Caine voice. No, you try. Remember, remember, the most important thing to know about me is that all my accents never really turn back to Kiwi. Yes. Um, Alright, point two from Sam. Some people start playing games on their computer and then never close that game. There, There is going to be a darker bent to the world where some sprites can be trapped in games for months at a time. Oh, yeah. Just... Bleh. Now, I don't have a lot of first-hand experience with doing that recently, uh, mainly because any game too powerful... Uh, most games are too powerful for my computer. Yeah. <laughs> I once minimized World of Warcraft to go eat dinner. When I came back, I touched my laptop and it was scalding. Yeah. Um, the fact that this thing has not combusted is a miracle. Yeah. The the Mac is not a PC machine. No. The Mac it was never meant for gamers. It was meant for hipster um like graphic artists. Can't believe they sold us on Mac just by saying that it was young and fuckable like Justin Long. Yeah. <sighs> One of these days I'm going to go back to PC. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I was working on my essay, and it was like a really good essay. And then my PC went, and it ate my essay. <laughs> Do you remember that commercial? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the PC versus Mac war, and we should have known. We should have known. That was all lies. Yeah, and now Justin Long, I can't remember the last thing he did, but I guess John Hodgman, who played the PC, now has some kind of podcasting empire. Oh. John Hodgman produced the Maureen Martyr story! Yes! <laughs> it needs to be like, can I, can I just say, Ryan Murphy, me and Christina dunk on him a lot at, on our Glee podcast, who's like me, hashtag nonspawn, but <laughs> the fact that he wanted to tell the story of Monica Lewinsky so bad but he wanted to do it right so he went after her and said i'm only doing it when you have time to be like the producer and showrunner of the mm -hmm. show and then okay. now that is what's happening moving forward like that that's the kind of energy that maureen deserves yes now maybe not ryan murphy because again <laughs> it's ryan murphy but that's how like if if the person is still around you should you probably them. have them involved yeah um anyways but yeah, the, the sprites being trapped for months at a time in a single game. How eldritch do do you think you could get get away with that? It'd be almost like a PTSD or something where like even after the game ends they're still trapped in the mindset of the game. Oh yeah. That's almost like freaking I have no mouth and I'm a scream levels yeah. of terrifying. <laughs> um and now, point the third from Sam was, there's going to be a pseudo-cult of sprites and binomes that come from Mac-based systems that are, quote-unquote, immune to viruses. <laughs> uh, and then, what about the sprites and, bio and binomes that live on the computers we keep in our pockets and walk around with? There's an inherent class-based system. Um, that's really interesting concept, Sam. I will say I'm almost certain that's the plot of the Emoji movie. <laughs> Actually, no, maybe that's the plot of the Emoji movie, too. <laughs> Just watch as they actually make an emoji movie too. The two emoji movie. I mean, they... starring Sir Patrick Stewart as poop. Yes. <laughs> you know, emoji movie could have been interesting, but it was kind of kneecapped from the start. Yeah. It. It kind of felt like one of those very cheap 
animated movies that was kind of just flung at us as children and i think that's yeah. the same thing with the children of today yeah and like it's apparently it's very clearly also just essentially taking the plot of the lego movie as well mm-hmm. it's like you're normal but normal is special and special is normal yeah you don't have to fit in you should stand out but the problem is that if you stand out it risks deleting the entire system mm-hmm. if you show individuality the world will implode on itself yeah at least with the Lego movie, they handled the it's it did the the Lego movie is an elaborate red slippers or red red ballet shoes, whatever yeah. it was. A little bit be careful what you wish for, a little bit hey, it's important to work together, hey, play is also really important. Yeah. Uh, and then the Lego movie too is all about toxic masculinity, and which is wild that it's fucking Chris Pratt in the role still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so thank you for those, Sam. Very, very interesting insights. Reboot itself, if if we came back on like HBO, the the things we could do with that. Mm-hmm. The the money for the graphics. Yeah, well, the, I wouldn't want the graphics to be too advanced. Yeah, like they want we want to keep the same aesthetic. Maybe just. There's a lot of shots in Reboot where it's very much uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, where it's like, look at this crowd of people! And there's like seven models yeah, there. Yeah, it's more like, um, not so much the actual aesthetics, it's all about the quality of the animation. Things move yeah. nicely. Yeah. Because also, Re- Reboot is one of those things where you remember it being a little bit higher quality than it is. Mm-hmm. Because you gotta remember, it came out at like the dawn of CGI. Yeah, like and even like even comparing f- season one graphics of reboot with the final season the graphics of reboot like characters are emoting in the last season. You go to season one, it's like something shocking happens, and it's like so the mouth slowly opens and the eyes slowly wide. It's l- it's like a f- flash transition at half speed. Like no, yeah. <laughs> Like, early Pixar was so innovative because, like, they had managed to get slightly out of the uncanny valley. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just thinking HBO because then you can get the writing quality. Yes. Like, stick one of the Westward pe- the, West- the Westworld people in it. Mm-hmm. They're really great at finding unique talent in unlikely places. Like, the guy who was a showrunner for Chernobyl got to start writing for the Hangover series. Oh, dang. Yeah. Reboot is kind of Westworld for kids. Yeah, except not as... Well, yeah, Westworld for kids. Not as dark, a lot less sex. But also, like, I don't think the AI's gonna rise up against us anytime soon. Well, you never know. Yeah, I mean... Who knows what directions they'll take it. <laughs> I, I don't know what's scarier. Skynet as presented in the Terminator series, or the idea that AI is only as smart as the people programming it? I I wish... Computers are only as smart as the people who made them was more common knowledge. Mm-hmm. Because then people would be better at the self-served hills. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's turn to a completely different podcast. All right. <laughs> so thank you for those questions, Sam. Uh, he's found at Sam Gash. Our next set of questions come from uh, Cassidy at M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T. Uh, Current display name, your werewolf GF Cassidy, because the spook times are arriving soon. Yes. Uh, First question. 
is there a reboot that has actually happened that you really didn't expect? Uh... Trying to think of what the more recent reboots are. I didn't actually... I didn't believe that the Charmed reboot was going to get off the ground until it actually started airing. Yeah. Because I think just because that was announced in a whole batch of CW shows that I haven't seen the light of day yet, like, I think it was, it was announced the same time, around the same time that they announced they were going to do a Lost Boys anthology series, where huh. each season was set in a different decade. Yeah. And I still haven't seen Hide Nor Tale of that. Yeah, that's disappointing. Um, I didn't expect to see, it isn't a reboot, but it's a sequel. It's um, Cobra Kai, ever coming to fruition. Yeah, that, just because the whole premise sounds really weird, but apparently the execution is phenomenal. Yeah. Well, they got most of the original actors back. Yeah. Like, because the whole thing, so not only does it deconstruct the people who found sympathy for the students of Cobra Kai, but also deconstructs, like, why that philosophy is inherently toxic to begin with. Yeah. Like, from the beginning. Yeah. The one that had Mary Kate and Ashley in it when they were really little. Um, oh, the Full House series. Yeah, Full House series. That's the, see, that was such a weird. So the Fuller House series came out at a time where Netflix just started doing every single show that was pitched to them, essentially. Yeah. And so, like the Netflix originals went very quickly from prestige television to uh, I've never heard of the show until now. Yeah. You know, because like for example, you know what else had a Netflix original series? An animated Spy Kids spinoff. Huh. Also an animated Fast and the Furious spinoff that is still technically canon to the movies. Huh. Oh, you know what also has an animated uh, kids show that I think is kind of a sequel series? Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron. Oh, that's dope as hell. Yeah. Is that like new or is it something that we missed? Uh, I think it's something that we missed. Hmm. Because it's been on Netflix for a while now. And like there's huh. like... Not big sections, but sections of, like, the toy area in Walmart that have a spirit toys now. That is rad as hell. Yeah. What else? Oh, you know, okay, so it hasn't technically happened yet, and I highly doubt it will, but apparently they're still going forward with, like, a Game of Thrones prequel series. Okay. Which I'm surprised that they're moving forward with it because of the fucking franchise removing itself from the popular consciousness immediately. Oh, God, yeah. I... I could not have imagined a, a series that fumbled the ending worse if J.J. Abrams' TV shows didn't exist. Here's the thing. J.J. Abrams' TV shows, when they, if he gets the chance to end them on his terms, even if they don't fucking make sense, you know they're on his terms. Yeah. I mean, okay, I guess the Game of Thrones ending was on the creator's terms, too, is that the creators don't fucking know how to write. <laughs> yeah. Well, the showrunners... <laughs> It's a debate on whether or not the ending was what George R. R. Martin had planned, because he had given some sort of ending to them just in case he didn't make it to the end. I do, I do like the theory that he basically did it, gave them the ending to test to see if people liked it, and now he's changing the stuff that's set up so that he can do a better ending yeah. in his books. <laughs> that's actually, like, evil genius levels of writing. <laughs> But also, it's the funny thing about Game of Thrones is that they basically they rushed the ending because they wanted to start working on a Star Wars spinoff that Disney had given them, and then the Game of Thrones ending was so poorly received that Disney rescinded the Star Wars spinoff from them. Mm -hmm. 
And now they're working for Netflix, which, as we mentioned, went from prestige television to, oh, hey, a new show. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are the reboots I can think of. I, I wasn't expecting. I will say, I, I feel like this was, um, Cassidy wanted us to bring up Kim Possible live action, which I'm a big fan of now. Um, okay. but I did expect that. I, I would be surprised that at no point people were, tr- weren't, I'd be more surprised that people never tried to make a live action Kim Possible. Mm-hmm. Like, that just seems like a natural continuation. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, like, the heyday of kids spy stuff was around the spy kids era. But yeah. But then, like, I think it was, oh, what was his name? Alex Storm or whatever? Kind of tanked that? Uh, yeah, that and Agent Cody Banks too. Yeah. And the attempt at a Thunderbirds movie. Oh, yeah, that happened, too. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I did actually just remember t- two more reboots that I was surprised existed. Harriet the Spy. Oh. There was a Harriet the Spy uh, reboot in 2010 on Nickelodeon called Harriet the Spy Blog Wars. Ha. Huh. So you know exactly how bad it is because it's called Blog Wars. Yeah. It also, although I will say it starred Melinda Shankar of Degrassi fame, it also starred Vanessa Morgan, who went on to play Tony Topaz on Riverdale. Huh. Interesting. Um, and then they also did a remake of Adventures in Babysitting on the Disney Channel, and it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they turned the blues battle into a rap battle. Ugh. Why? 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 Ugh. Have you ever seen the original Adventures in Babysitting? I have seen clips. It's it is one of my favorite movies. Okay. It's just I feel like there's certain films from the 80s and 90s that are kind of of their time. I mean, this one I would say you can definitely remake it in like in a modern setting, but not on the Disney Channel. Yeah. In the immortal words of Elizabeth Shue, don't fuck with the babysitter. Yeah. This is at least CW. <laughs> Oh god, Adventures in Babysitting CW series? <laughs> That's a terrible idea. I want five seasons. <laughs> um, oh, speaking, in a similar vein, remember when they made the Carrie Diaries on CW, which was a prequel to Sex in the City? Yes. It's just a weird choice. Yeah. Oh, there's been talks about a future Gossip Girl remake. I do keep hearing about that. Yes. And I'm Apparently like... Apparently Kristen Bell's already signed on. Huh. Because I have very mixed feelings about it. It was very trashy. Um, it was one of... There was an era in YA just before Twilight happened where the going trend was about like super snobby rich girls and all of their various... It was, you know, teen soap opera stuff. I attempted to read a few of those books, and there was a bit of a crossover into the paranormal romance of YA very early on into the Twilight trend with uh, the series called uh, Blue Bloods. And Mm -hmm. boy, did it make me a communist. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, I don't know if rebooting Gossip Girl right now is a good idea unless you're gonna just fully go into the territory of none of these people are the good guys? I mean, I th- I haven't watched it yet, but I think that's kind of what they did with the Dynasty reboot. Okay. 
just from watching clips, it's clear that it's leaning fully into the trash aspect and that this isn't this isn't supposed to be a show that makes you feel things. This is a show that shows you that the rich are fucking bonkers. Yes. You look at them like zoo animals. <laughs> um see, I think a gossip girl reboot could be really interesting if you took out the high class aspect of it. Yeah. And it was middle to lower class people still going through all this similar kind of drama. Yeah, like I could see maybe like you lean hard into the tech aspect with the whole rumors and all that. I don't know, maybe what's a really bitchy group of people? TikTokers. <laughs> it's Gossip Girl, but they're all in a TikTok house. I was just thinking like university students. Okay. Uh, Certain types of actually, art no, students. Yeah, it's the the bullshit is a bit more palatable if they're no longer children. Yes. I do I encourage anyone to watch Billiam's vlog on not vlog, but I I encourage anyone to watch Billiam's video on Gossip Girl that came out earlier this April, uh, where he talks about how first so it, it was created by the creator of the OC. Yeah. Who and the OC I have never watched, but and I'm sure it has issues, but the OC was very much about a class divide. Yeah. Um, and so the creator tried to bring parts of that into the Gossip Girl show, but they kind of fell apart because part of the appeal was just look at these rich idiots who can do whatever the fuck they want. Mm -hmm. And like, that was one of the things that kind of came into the plot is that they don't necessarily have to face consequences, but the characters who are less upper class than them do because they don't have like that high society invincibility. Yeah. And then after that, it just became drama after drama after drama. Mm -hmm. So like... Yeah, if they rebooted Gossip Girl, they should either remove the high class or just lean all the way into it and almost make it a parody of itself. Mm -hmm. Also, since we're uh, since we're on the subject, I do have to point out that uh, Leighton Meester of Gossip Girl, like she she went through a very like low period in her career, and then she came back on Single Parents, which was unjustly canceled. But she's fucking hilarious <laughs> on it. <laughs> Please watch Single Parents. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things. Anyways, all right. <laughs> Cassidy's second question. We've been talking for half an hour. Yes. Cassidy's second question. What do you think is the sexiest dinosaur? Parasaurophilus. You? Uh... So while you're looking up this, I'm going to answer this third question because I'm not sure how much you could answer because it's about video game stuff. Yeah. How much has to change before a remaster becomes a reboot and what's the line? I would argue that a remaster is, like, so a port is just the game itself. Maybe the controls are changed depending on the system, like moving the blob off of uh, those Wii and putting it on the PS4 or something. Um, a remaster is basically, the game still plays out mechanically the same, but all the graphics have been updated and any bugs and situations have been removed. And then a reboot is when you're playing a totally different game and maybe it's is still the same setting and it has like mechanics that are spiritually the same but like the level layout and the progression and the plot are all going to be different. That's the line between remaster and reboot. Do you find a sexy dinosaur? Amargasaurus. It's the one that um Aurorus is based on. Oh, them. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a sexy dinosaur. And Cassie's fourth question, what would Tanner Lindsay do for a Klondike bar? Now, this question is backstory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
one of the very first questions I asked kids and their dog was what Scooby and Shaggy would do for a Klondike bar. Because it's the funny joke of, like, what would you do for a Stewie Snap? What would you do for a Klondike bar? Da, 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 da. And all those commercials where it's like, a uh, famed NASCAR racer. What would, you, would you give up NASCAR racing and only do boxcar racing for a Klondike bar? And he's like, yeah, I would. Because Klondike bars, fuck yeah. Um, and then I asked the same question recently without realizing that I'd already asked it before. And Cassidy, I'll tell you now, the reason why I asked it a second time is because in between the first and second times I asked you that question, I actually had a Klondike bar. <laughs> and those are fucking good. Yeah. I've never had one before. And then they were on a really good sale at my store. So I picked them up because I've been treating myself every day since March. Mm-hmm. And they're damn good. I don't know what they put in like the chocolatey shell or the ice cream, whether it's like some a little bit of caramel or some kind of umami or uranium shit. But it's now my favorite ice cream treat. But I'm not going to go, like, ridiculous for a Klondike bar, so I'll tell you. What would I do for a Klondike bar? I would buy one at full price. I would not wait for a sale. If I had a hankering for a Klondike bar, I would drop the $8 or whatever on a box of four. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I would walk whatever distance is needed to the closest store to get a Klondike bar. All right, so our next batch of questions come from Charlie at Magical underscore Pride, current display name, Charlie, bad emoji, spooky vampire boyfriend, and C asks, is there anything you'd want to go back and re-reboot? Well, there's a few things that we've mentioned uh, re-rebooting before. Um, I've even brought just the concept of doing a re-reboot episode as a bonus content or something we could do for an anniversary special or something. Yeah. But I think we both know the answer to this, and it would be a great and terrible beauty. Yeah. Just because I was, like, I, either I was sick or the dog was sick, so I couldn't record. I think you were a little bit under the weather on that yeah, episode. Yeah, I was. And then we had R- Ryan subbing in. Ryan trying to be me and be the soundboard, but he's just, like, d- doesn't know how far to go, necessarily. Mm-hmm. And, like, the story is great. It needs some justice done. So, yeah, if we were to re-reboot any of our episodes, it would definitely be a great and terrible beauty. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next question from Charlie. What's a piece of media that isn't good, whether the quality isn't good or it has a disappointing twist or what have you, but you still love a lot? My guilty pleasure, B.C. Andrews books. <laughs> Look, I they're problematic phase, for sure. She doesn't handle all of the topics that she touched upon well, and it her work's were unfortunately very marred because she died young from breast cancer and someone in her family got control of her estate and handed the manuscripts or at least the right to write under a ghost name to a guy named Andrew Niedermeyer who has basically been writing trash ever since. He sounds like he'd write trash. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, what was neat about V.C. Andrews' books is, yeah, they were lurid, they were written in a very gothic style, but uh, she was talking about uh, stuff like familial abuse and uh, messed up relationships and how people work through that, but also poverty and talking about the cycle of poverty, especially in her heaven books, and how that is a major contribution to dysfunctional families. Which was not touched upon in, like, the 70s and 80s. Like, at all. And also, there was a big emphasis with her heroines to for them to get 
their education and get a life and actually experience stuff before they even thought about seeking out love and romance. So, yeah. More justice for V.C. Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a whole podcast about my guilty pleasure. It's Glee. <laughs> I will also say uh, the Suicide Suicide Squad, the first Suicide Squad movie, the one with uh, fucking Jared Leto Joker. It's not a good movie. It's not a well-made movie, but it's a fun movie. Yeah. Like, I, I went out of that enjoying myself a lot more than in me attempting to watch any of the previous DCEU movies. Yeah, that's true. If, if we're ranking DCEU, actually, mm, no, I, I would still say that Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam all come out on top of Suicide Squad yeah. still. Because <laughs> it's not that fun. But it was, a, it was a lot more fun and a larger turn than the previous uh, DCEU stuff. And I am looking forward to the new one. Yeah, because James Gunn actually seems like he's going to be given a proper amount of time to make this. Yeah, it looks like it's mostly made already. Yeah. I, I am amused by the fact that so many of the members of it are, their power is just, I have a gun. Yeah. <laughs> but also with a cast that big, you know, half of them are going to be dead in like 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the Amazing Spider-Man movies weren't as bad as people think they are. But unfortunately, they're sandwiched in between two really good versions of Spider-Man. Uh, honestly, I think... The Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, is my favorite Spider-Man. Oh, second favorite, because Spider-Man 2 is really good. Yeah. But The Amazing Spider-Man 1 is also extremely good. Andrew Garfield knocked it out as the park as Harry Potter. Not No, that's completely wrong. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> There's a Harry Osborn. Yes, that's, that's why I got my wires crossed. Andrew Garfield knocked it out of the par park as Peter Parker. And I've always felt he deserves some kind of nod or, like, consolation from the current films. And I would love to see him show up as Harry Osborn. Yeah. I very much, I, and I, I love Tom Holland's work as the amazing, as, as um, the MCU Spider-Man. But I think the MCU Spider-Man films are not as strong, actually. Okay, Spider-Man Homecoming is pretty good. Yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home is so far removed from what people like about Spider-Man. Mm. and just leans into all the worst aspects that were already built in because of the setting. Yeah. But the attempt to make him Iron Man Jr. completely ruins what makes him Spider-Man, which was what Homecoming was about, is how he shouldn't be Iron Man Jr. Yeah. Let someone else be Iron Man Jr. I mean, Tony straight up got a kid. Yeah, well, and also they're allegedly working on an Ironheart script. Okay. Or bring an Iron Lad, who is Kang from the future, and also, I think, the grandson of Mr. Fantastic? Because he is a Richards. <sighs> the Richards family tree, much like the Summers family tree, is a fucking mess. <laughs> I wonder if they've ever crossed over. Oh. Like, when we get control of Marvel, we'll just fuck up those family trees even more. <laughs> also, also, speaking of messed up family trees, don't forget that Quicksilver... <laughs> has a kid with Crystal from the Inhumans, and so Crystal ties into the mess that is the Maximoff family tree. Oh, fuck me. And, and, when Medusa had a temporary separation from Black Bolt, she dated Johnny Storm! Yep. And actually, now that, I think Johnny Storm also dated Crystal. And he also dated Silk! Yeah, fuck. 
you know what surprises me? Logan is going to be about, oh, nearly 140 years old. He has had children and grandchildren and now great-grandchildren. How have they not, like, fully meshed in with the rest? Well, he does have Da Ken, who's his uh, bisexual disaster son. <laughs> um, a little bit anti-hero. And apparently... Da Ken attempted to seduce Iceman at some point, and then future Iceman, the Ice Wizard, showed up and said, Don't do it, or you'll cause the apocalypse if you fuck Da Ken. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently, and not unjustly so, a lot of people would like to see Iceman date Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm is not... Uh, as far as we know, he's not queer in any way. But I think a lot of people just project himbo energy onto him. Yeah. I don't know if this is something from the comics, or if this is just because of the fact that he was played by a pre-Captain America Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, uh, speaking of uh, people who may or may not be queer, do you tend to, uh, Charlie's third question, do you tend to have a lot of headcanons when consuming media? Um, I think... For me, it's when um, it's when a piece of media has a strong narrative and I'm trying to predict what's going to happen next. That's when my headcanons come up. Mm-hmm. Or in the case of Harry Potter, it was because she, who must not be named, is a terrible world builder and I'm trying to fill in some logical gaps. Yeah. My headcanons come from that sweet spot where I like a thing enough to care about it. But it does too many things wrong, so I'm trying to, like, justify it instead of uh, completely burn it down and rebuild it from the ground up. Yeah. Like, um, Endgame. I have a headcanon that the reason Steve is so dang old when he gets back, it isn't because he lived a full life with Peggy. It's because he went back, but, like, so he's back in that time. He's like, oh, but I have to check in on Peggy just because I have the option now. I can go see her. And But while I'm here, oh, I should go and find Bucky and like make sure he doesn't get brainwashed. Oh, and I should stop this assassination. Oh, and I should stop this coup. And oh, I should stop this <laughs> element of American imperialism from getting too powerful. And he just hey, keeps getting remember distracted. Remember that one uh, shower idea I had where I'm like, wait, if Steve goes back in time to like just after he went into the ice, that means that there's another Steve. My two Steves. <laughs> But yeah, so Steve Rogers didn't stay in the past for 75 years because he was in love with Peggy. He stayed in the past for 75 years because he kept getting distracted. (laughs) Yeah, that's my belief. Steve Rogers is not going to stop being Captain America. He just cannot. Yeah, that's... (laughs) And that headcanon is the only thing that's fucking holding that film together in hindsight. Yeah. Alright, thank you for the questions, Charlie. Thank you for the questions, Cassidy. Next batch comes from uh, Landon at Occasional GM. Current display name, Your MC Landon, he, him. Uh, his first question, is there a reboot you actually like but would never admit it? Yes, but I'm not going to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, there... there I'll, if I like something, I'll say I like it. Even if there's like a huge but after that. Mm-hmm. Or it comes after. Th- there are a lot of things where I'll like list the seventeen thousand things that they did wrong, and then end with that. But I still enjoy it. Yeah, I did like 
Maleficent, if you consider it something of a reboot to the Snow White story. And I did like Cinderella. Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sleeping Beauty. Bleh. And I did like Cinderella. I I think everyone liked Cinderella who saw Cinderella. Yeah, because the I think what was going for that remake is that the original movie was rather thin when you think about it. Mm-hmm. In terms of characterization, there wasn't enough to really make you care about them until like later on when you got the direct to video movies. But uh, at least the one the live action remake it really fleshed out a lot of stuff maleficent was a bit of a hot mess but i think it also did a good job on what they were intending to do Mm -hmm. unfortunately it set the wrong message to disney yeah (sighs) yeah like you know what's a movie that they should be remaking black cauldron yes like, uh, Unfortunately, Disney doesn't know what good business is. <laughs> it seems like right now the only thing that they've got right is their theme parks and their cruises. Apparently. Yeah. Ugh. All right, second question from Landon. What uh, queer flag has the best color scheme and why? All of the ones that incorporate the black and brown stripes because mm-hmm. intersectionality is important. Yes. Um, next question from Landon. If you were an instrument, what instrument would you be? Well, I played the baritone. Okay. I feel like I'd be a clarinet, though. Yeah. Well, what instrument would you be, Lindsay? I have never thought about something like that. Um, probably some odd version of a guitar. Okay. A mandolin? Maybe. And then it can join the very intense banjos from Mumford and Sons. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, you probably would just be a banjo. Yeah. Um. All right, next from Landon. If you were to name yourself after an inanimate object, what would it be? <laughs> wine. wine. What up, I'm Wine Mitchell. Yep. Just slowly pickle that liver. <laughs> um, I would name myself after a $10 bill so that you could still refer to me as Tanner. <laughs> but I'm... What version of the $10 bill? Um, the current one. Okay. Not the Canada 150 $10 bill. I fucking hate that. That was fucking waste of money. You knew... You were in you Ottawa knew. and you were ready to march on the mint. <laughs> We knew that we were getting the curtain, the new $10 bill, but you decided to put a special anniversary one between the old $10 bill and the new $10 bill, so now we have to deal with three different versions of the $10 bill at the same time. <laughs> sometimes four. If the paper ones come in, sometimes five, because there's still elderly people that carry around the, the bird collection. The bird bills. I like the bird bills. I like the bird bills too, but they're incredibly old at this point. Yeah. Old and fragile. You could probably, like, mount them. In, like, a nice shadow box or something. Exactly. You should be doing that. Yeah. Money collecting is actually a thing. Mm-hmm. All right, and our last question from Landon is, what is the best Oceana creature? Whale shark. Manta ray. I think both can agree on that. Yes. Um, all right. We now have a selection of questions from Janine, current, uh, at Janine Juliet, current display name Grom Queen Janine. <laughs> uh, is there anything you wouldn't reboot? I think I've said this before, but I 
don't think the Bourne franchise needs another rebooting. Yeah. The original You know they got a TV show. Uh, I might look into it, but in my opinion, the original trilogy with Matt Damon, perfectly good, had a perfect character arc. The two sequel attempts, not so great. Um, I think there was potential with Bourne Legacy, but they got saddled with a really bad story. <laughs> and theoretically, I think a prequel might work in terms of like how did Treadstone start and all that. Mm-hmm. That might be neat, but I think that ship has kind of sailed. Also, the science The that... TV series might be that prequel because it is called Treadstone. Okay. <laughs> Again, I might have to check that out, but I don't think... The world has moved past the need for a Jason Bourne franchise, and the books that it was based off were... The original books were dated, and then after Robert Lillum died... A guy, another guy, got uh, took over the series, and um, oh boy, does he have favorite characters whom the everything about them is so great. Oh no! <laughs> actual Mary Sue's people, actual Mary Sue's, where they will, where the author will bend the universe pre-existing rules around these characters to make them look great. Bruh, bruh, why this? Yeah. Let's see. For me, the answer that I've always had in the back in my back pocket is Jurassic Park. Okay. Because the the original is so well made, especially in terms of effects, that there's almost no point trying to recreate it. Yeah. Because it ages so well. Yeah. And I I'll admit it. I do like Lost World, and I like I like parts of JP three, and I really liked Jurassic World. I didn't watch the second Jurassic World because I felt like Jurassic World was a great place to end the franchise. It should have just been a one-shot to demonstrate the just the concept of reboot culture in the form of a dinosaur metaphor. Yeah. I think the fact that they wanted to jumpstart a new trilogy was they were they didn't understand what they were doing. Yes. Um Second question from Janine. Is there anything you'd reboot again or any time you had a missed idea after an episode is recorded? Uh, we touched on the first part of this question. Uh, and the second part, there have been loads of times where, like, after the episode, I'm thinking, oh, I should have brought this up. Yeah. <laughs> I've but... had a couple of those. Here's one that's been sticking with me since year one. Oh, so, boy. remember when um, I gave uh, Anatolia Story an anime? So, here's a yes. point that I completely forgot to make even though i had been listening to dan carlin prior to uh recording that episode so in his uh king of kings episode he was talking about um the uh cyrus the great's uh takeover of babylon and in the lead up to it the king of babylon naram sin gathered up all of the uh religious idols in all of the towns and cities around babylon and put and centralize them in the main temple of uh, Tamarduk, saying something along the lines of, I'm protecting these, I'm protecting the gods. Because here is something that I completely forgot about. Back in the Bronze Age, the idol for some people, in fact, for a lot of people, was the god. Oh, yeah. So Yuri leaving the Hittite Empire at any point after people really started to associate her with Ishtar would have been super bad. That is straight up, oh, we're being abandoned (laughs) by the goddess of fertility and war. 
Um, the only thing I can think of, it's not something that would have worked into the reboot, uh, and it's a very recent one too. Just we forgot to mention when we were talking about the Weekenders last week, how one episode just had Jennifer Love Hewitt show up. Oh yeah, and then try to seduce Tino. Ugh. which was fucking weird. And that's really all that needs to be saying. That it's it's gross and weird. Yeah. All right. Next question from Janine. Which host is best dressed? Well, right now it is not me. Fashion. So here's the thing. Fashion is subjective. Right now, I think I look a little bit more interesting than Lindsay because I Lindsay is dressed like your librarian aunt. <laughs> and hey, if you're into that, more power to you. But that being said, Lindsay's the one with the actual fashion sense. So if she's dressing down, it's because she decided to. Well, it also helps that I do have an office job that is uh, business casual from Monday to Thursday and whatever you want on Friday. Now, we don't have to do that during work from home. Good. <laughs> but I, I'm one of those people who does kind of miss dressing up a bit to go somewhere. Well, and here's the thing is that when you want to pull it out, you can get glamorous as fuck. <laughs> Like, hold on to your hats, ladies. <laughs> I mean, you can get pretty nice and cleaned up when you want to, too. I usually don't want to, though. That's the problem. <laughs> also, things, you like, have a yeah. really great t-shirt collection. I do, because all I wear is t-shirts. Mm -hmm. And also your hat collection. You're, like, competing with Ryan in terms of interesting hats. But it's not like an artisanal hat collection. It's like, I think I have seven different Pokemon hats. <laughs> They're still neat. Yeah. They're conversation um, starters. I will I will say, the battle of wills between me and my mother, of her trying to get me to dress a little bit more formal, and me trying to insist that I will only wear t-shirts until the day I fucking die. <laughs> we moved mountains. We split oceans. But I came out the victor. Good on you. <laughs> now... I gotta figure out a budget to fully just swan dive into my Dana Scully slash Dark Academia dreams. There you go. You should, you know, if you got some hair dye and put your hair a little bit closer to your brother and your mother's. Yeah. I mean, in the right light setting, my hair becomes like very strawberry blonde. Yeah, that's true. Um, I've, of course, Lindsay doesn't play Animal Crossing, so when I'm in there, I can get very fancy too. Yes. I have so many suits. <laughs> <laughs> also, Pokemon allowing customization in the mainline games was the best decision decision ever. Yes. Um, all right. Last question from Janine. If a shark took a bear to court, who would win? Brackets. It is divorce court. Hmm. So, Janine, are you asking who gets the kids? <laughs> are you asking who gets the Beanie Baby collection? <laughs> Because it really depends. Bear dads aren't known for being good parents. Like, there's a reason why the trope is called the mama bear. Yeah. I'm googling shark parenting. Are sharks good mothers? <laughs> I know that they give birth to live young. But I don't know what that... Yeah. Yeah. Would you, for, would you consider setting your kid up for a successful, independent, adult life parenting? Good parenting? If so, sharks are awesome parents. Shark pups certainly pull that off better than all of us needy helicopter children. <laughs> so, let's... I'm going to assume that this is a childless bear-shark couple. So it probably is a fight over the Beanie Babies. Yes. In which case, the bear is going to win, because the bear has hands. Yeah... 
can't really do much with the flippers. And the Beanie Babies are probably going to get wrecked in the ocean anyway. Yeah. Unless it's a land shark. Ooh. This is probably why they're getting divorced, because the land shark kept on uh, posing as a candy gram and then eating people. <laughs> Alright, thank you for those questions, Janine. Thank you. Uh, next comes from... I don't know this person's real name, but they're at Taiyu Face. Current display name, Awoo! Jerbo of London. Awoo! Nice. Alright, first question. How many reboots could reboot reboot if reboot could reboot reboots? 42. <laughs> Second question. What is your opinion on preboots? A reboot of a prequel or a prequel of a reboot? For example, a pup named Scooby-Doo or Muppet Babies? Well, considering one of my earliest episodes was Ocean's First, a, a prequel to all the Ocean's films, I like them. Yeah. Rebooting prequels and prequeling reboots is totally legit. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's with any reboot, as long as the film itself is good, I'm down with it. I'm not gonna r uh, write it off just on principle. Yeah. Like, if you have a good story and you can figure out a way to connect it to the main story without... <laughs> I think prequels get a bad rap because... Like, you go in already knowing how the story is going to end. A lot of prequels are written as if the thing they're prequeling to didn't exist yet. Like, they want to treat what what they treat as a big reveal as something the audience already knows going in. Yeah. And so a good prequel is one that instead of focusing on the, the quote-unquote mystery that isn't actually a mystery, instead of focusing on how it's going to end, it's focusing on why it ends that way and building up these characters so we understand how tragic it is that they ended up in that place like I, f I feel like this question is coming out because they announced a prequel to breath of the wild yeah which if you don't know the backstory of breath of the wild it's set like a hundred years after the f a failure to defeat ganon and the whole of hyrule just got fucked and everyone died <laughs> yeah or like all the principal characters died and so that like the Breath of the Wild prequel is like, oh, look at all these babies that are going to die in three days. And so the a good prequel, it doesn't say, oh my gosh, I can't believe they died at the end. It says, look at these characters, look at how much, how full of hope and life they were, and look at how tragic it is that they did die. Mm -hmm. Or that they did end up be getting trapped in the realm of darkness or whatever. Like yeah. that kind of stuff. Or if it's a villain origin story, like... It's not saying it's tragic that this person became evil. They're, they want you to believe it's tragic that society put them in a position where they had to choose to be evil. Yeah. Um, and with something like um, Rogue One, I think is a perfect example of a yes. prequel because it also doesn't involve the original characters. Because sometimes... Uh, the problem with prequels is that it involves original characters. Yes, you already know how they end, or it involves like the parents of the original series characters, and it puts a lot of expectations on how they're portrayed. Whereas if you have a fresh batch of characters within the same universe with a connecting story, it's like something new, it's something fresh, it's something different. In the case of Rogue One, it's all about how did the Resistance get the plans to the Death Star? And it's actually super interesting how they got them. Yeah. And you're also seeing them at like their peak game, too. Yeah. Rogue One is actually, first off, it's my favorite Star Wars film, yeah. bar none. And it is another film that I would never reboot. Like, like, if we did get back into rebooting Star Wars stuff, Rogue One stays the same. Yes. 
Like that that's the the cornerstone that we just build forwards and backwards in time. Yeah. <laughs> it is the origin point of canon for Star Wars at this point. Mhm. Um and last question from Taiyu Face. How many more Batman reboots until the timeline goes critical? Okay, I'm going to spoil something. Um I did put a Batman movie onto a, the list of stuff that we might onto the list of topics. Not to spoil stuff, but I also have a Batman topic okay. <laughs> in there. See, I would argue we're already there uh, if they keep going in the same, oh, it's Batman, it's dark and gritty, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. The best Batman movie... Actually, let me think. Actually, okay. Best Batman movie technically is Batman Returns because I'm gay. The <laughs> second best Batman movie is Lego Batman <laughs> because it's a different fucking take on the franchise. Yeah. It's a genuinely different take. We've been drowning in grimdark Batman for so long. We need we need something different. Like the Batman trailer came out and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, it's Batman. Oh, this looks so good." Da 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 da. And so I'm so excited. I'm just looking like how is this any different from the Bale Batman? I think it's because they did at least hint that there's going to be actual detective work. That that's it. Yeah, that's, pretty much. That's the only bar it needed to pass. Yeah, and I'm like, so again, my best ideas come in the shower. So I was thinking, like, hey, you know who could have been a really good Batman back in the day? Fucking Daniel Craig. Mm. Especially if he was allowed to be anything but Bond. You know, g- given a decade, I bet Daniel Craig would be a good old Bruce if they did Batman Beyond. Yeah. Like, if you, for some reason, could not get Michael Keaton. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. See, the other thing is that there have been so many good takes on what you would call the iconic Batman villains. Because mm-hmm. there have been two great Jokers. Yeah. Right? Just Yeah, just just two great, only two great Well, probably the, the Gotham one was pretty well received, as far as I can tell. Yeah, Gotham one. But is... just film-wise, we had the two great Jokers. Yeah. We had two great Catwoman. Yes. Because I think Anne Hathaway did great. I wish she got, uh, like... Two movies instead of just the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was yeah. Uh, again, B- B- Batman Returns is the best because Michelle Pfeiffer. But also Eartha Kitt. Oh yeah, Eartha Kitt. Oh right, she was also in films. Yeah. See, okay, so like, who who are the iconic Batman villains? Joker, Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin, Two Face. Who else is there? Um, because of Arnold Schwarzenegger, I would say Doctor Freeze. Yeah. So yeah, Mister Freeze is a good one. Bane. Uh. Bane is iconic more in the comics than the films that are like, oh, Dark Knight well, Rises had a better take on Bane. Yeah, yeah, because Tom Hardy is that good of an actor. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like the reason Bane is so iconic in the comics is because... He did he, the one like, thing he, that nobody else did, which was basically yeah. break Batman. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> you know you know what? I'd watch a Batman movie if it was about after... The Batman gets broken, his back broken by Bane, and then it's like the rise and fall of Azazel. Oh, neat. Because that was, it was a, a different guy who took over Batman at Bruce's behest while mm-hmm. he was healing. And then he basically turned the bat suit into an Iron Man suit. And then he decided, actually, murder's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've seen a couple ideas floating around about um, Batman movies that sound very interesting. Mostly... Like, if, if you were to do, like, a straight-up another origin story where you have Thomas and Martha get killed in the fucking crime alley, there was a different take on Joe Chill, which I found very interesting. Was it the one where he was Batman a cop. is black and Joe Chill's a cop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I adored that version. Yeah. 
But I would like to see something where the Bat family gets introduced. And maybe Batman isn't the POV character. Mm -hmm. Because one of his um, sources of inspiration was Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes was never the POV character in his own stories. Yeah. So. It would be... A good idea for a Batgirl movie would be, like, Barbara... Actually, okay, so this could work for Batgirl. It could also work for a Robin movie um, mm -hmm. if it was... Now I have to check his name. Because it's the Robin that came after Jason Todd. Uh, Tim Drake? Yeah, because Tim Drake's whole shtick was basically he really wanted to be Robin, and so he investigated Batman enough to find out who he was, and then basically showed up on his doorstep and said, I'm Robin now! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Why hasn't anybody capitalized on that story? Uh, because apparently the publishers fucking hate Tim Drake. Like, the only person they hate more than Tim Drake is Cassandra Kane, and so they just com are continuously shafted by them. Oh, fuck off, DC. But yeah, so, like, either either a Batgirl story or a Tim Drake story where, like, it's, they're the POV character and they're investigating Batman and, like, seeing him in the background, and then the climax is when they find him as Bruce, and then they suit up as Robin or Batgirl. Um, Carrie Kelly could also work, because she was the Robin from The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. So, yeah. Potential ideas for a Batman story that we will likely touch upon sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I see, I like it can't be Batman. That's why I, I mentioned once before, <laughs> not to bring up Ryan Murphy again, but I'd love to see Ryan Murphy do a Batman <laughs> movie and and put poison ivy in it, because uh imagine the camp. And I don't yeah. know I don't think it would be good, but <laughs> well, much like Suicide Squad, it'd be fun. Now, I prefer more of a detective Batman. And the reason why I thought like Daniel Craig could be like a really good Batman was because of Knives Out. <laughs> <laughs> or at least like you have the split between like Bruce Wayne when he's just being Bruce Wayne and he's kind of an oddball but then he's Batman and he's in like detective mode he is Sherlock Holmes ah ah alright thank you for those questions Tyu face <laughs> thank you <laughs> um the next set of questions come from Crash at Crashing Waves current display name Crashing Waves non-binary Hothgar at large <laughs> First question, oh, these are questions specifically for me, specifically about the character I'm playing in the interstitial game with them, where Go I play Yo-Yo, the Yo-Yo Flamingo from <laughs> Fantasia 2000. I only know a little bit about Caro Caro Benito in the fact that their fans cross over with Death Grips. <laughs> <laughs> so... Is Caro Caro Bonito's Flamingo a good song for a yo-yo fan cam? Yes. Uh, second question from Crash. How many shrimps do you have to eat before you make your skin turn peat? Keep in mind that shrimps are pretty rich. Here's the thing. I'm a fucking slut for shrimp. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, I could sit around one of those cocktail rings and eat I have. all of them. Yeah. I have and did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I didn't get sick. Yep. And my skin did not turn... Actually, maybe it did turn pink. I wasn't observing myself. But I don't think I've ever had a situation... I don't think I've ever had a magic school bus skin color changing pigment situation. Yeah, because I think Arnold would have... Would have had to have eaten, like, carrots for a year for her skin to turn orange. Alright, thanks for the questions, Crash. Thank you. Our last batch of questions comes from our friend Christina at Sea Woods Art. Current display name, Christina Woods at Black Lives Matter. 
Hello friends, congratulations on reaching episode 100! Here's a bunch of questions! What Pokemon type would not a fairy boot you first be? I got three types. Go for it. Normal, Psychic, Fairy. I was gonna say Fairy Dark. Okay. Because we are a little bit of menace to society. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're the Grimmsnarl of... Yes. Podcast. Look at all of our hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next question. Favorite thing to cook or bake? So this one thing I have been doing is uh, substituting the water with chicken broth. Oh, nice. And then I add in, like, herbs and spices and all that. It's really nice. Um, so you're telling me a chicken also, fried this rice. Yeah. And, um, I have been making a lot of ramen because it's super easy, but, like, you can add so much stuff to ramen. I can now poach eggs, but only in ramen. <laughs> I am not very big on the cooking or the baking, but I will say that I have made chocolate chip cookies before. Actually, nice. technically, there are chocolate chip coconut pecan cookies. <laughs> nice. And those were pretty good. Um, and yeah. also, one of these days, I would like to bake some muffins. Mm-hmm. Or, actually, no, or cupcakes. See, I've watched enough MasterChef, I feel, that I know the basic premise of baking cake and the fact that i actually like cake now for the longest time i didn't like cake and then i realized i just didn't like it when people put all the fucking frosting it's like th two layers of cake and seven layers of frosting oh yeah the store-bought cakes that are nothing but buttercream oh yeah actually okay well buttercream oh god straight out of office space buttercream is decent because it's not nearly as sweet i'm talking just like straight up fucking sugar frosting like you go to a third mm. grade birthday party like here's the cake everyone gets a fucking like flower the size of your head of frosting yeah it's like maybe half an inch of cake and then like two inches of frosting yeah that shit's disgusting mm -hmm. now my cake baking skills are uh pretty much non-existent beyond following the instructions on a betty crocker <laughs> cake mix <laughs> well, so, so, so that's the thing is that i would be using a mix yeah and at least with like baking is math like you follow directions properly you'll turn out fine yeah cooking like, you give me a protein, and I start getting nervous, because there's so many room for error, and some- fucking sometimes you get a, ch get a chicken, and it just doesn't feel like cooking today. Yeah. Um, beef is far more forgiving, <laughs> especially if you like it, uh, rare. Like me. I practically like it mooing. <laughs> but also, um, that is, like, proper steaks. You don't eat ground beef raw. Yeah. Alright, next question from Christina. Where would you travel on a paid-for vacation? If it's a paid-for vacation, I'll just go everywhere. Yeah. Uh, no, not everywhere, because I, I have hang-ups about certain locations and their wildlife. Australia. Their... <laughs> Australia. Uh, but no, like, if it's an all-expensive paid-for vacation, why not just go on a world tour? Yeah. Like, if I was forced to pick one location i would probably die from indecision because i want to <laughs> go everywhere i would probably pick japan okay just because it's japan it's cool japan yeah. cool yeah um if things were different i'd be hopping on a plane to russia because i once had an opportunity to go to st petersburg and moscow but because said vacation was happening just at the start of third grade, my mother said no. Oh. <laughs> my cousin even got a picture of Lenin in Lenin's tomb. She managed to sneak her camera in because they confiscate the cameras. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. Uh, uh, favorite musical group or new favorite? I tend to like songs more than entire album catalogs, but... Same. I will say... Well, first off, it's very eclectic. Same. But it probably leans towards like that spot right where alt-rock, country, folk, pop, and hardcore punk kind of meet. I like a lot of distortion. <laughs> but I also like songs that actually mean something. And when I do listen to metal, it's usually... Uh, it tends to be more on the power metal side, but sometimes going into death metal. Yeah, that that matches what I know about you. Yeah. Um, I'm very much the same. I'm very eclectic on all over the map, and I usually like specific songs instead of artists. But of course, there are some artists that I have, like I keep a closer eye on because I'm more confident that I'm going to like their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think lately the three that I've been going back and forth between them all would be. Um, I, okay, I don't know if this is a band or just a solo artist, but it's Bjorns, but like the it's all caps and the O has like the line through it. Okay. And they did. Oh gosh, I I, I lost the thread. Where where some of their songs? Hang on, click. Hang on, hang on. Oh no, I was thinking of Broods. Okay. Yeah, Broods is good. I mean, Bjorn, Bjorns is also good. They have a song called Dopamine that I really like. Uh, okay. But no, Broods is the group I, the group or artist that I was thinking of they have I I keep on coming back to the song couldn't believe mm-hmm. like not even necessarily intentionally it just keeps on showing up on shuffle because <laughs> it knows what I'm about yeah I've also been listening to a lot of Dua Lipa recently yeah because future nostalgia good oh god that's such a good album um oh yeah I've been listening to a lot of bardcore recently okay yeah so oh it's- right yeah yeah, so it's taking um, popular songs and then setting them to like medieval instruments, and some people have also uh, translated the lyrics into mostly, I would say, early modern English, so something more on the lines of Shakespeare, and it's really good when they use thee, thou, and doth properly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the third group that I really like that I got into earlier this year is the band Wallows. Which their lead singer is Dylan Minnette of Goosebumps and Thirteen Reasons Why fame. Ooh, and they're like so uh, sonically, it's very much kind of like a, a, a sad white boy music. <laughs> <laughs> so like if you if you like the front bottoms, you'd probably like Wallows. Okay. So so often if it's a poorly executed sad white boy music, it's like why why do you dislike the fact that I am a terrible person? Yeah. <laughs> but with with Wallows, it's very much. Hey, I recognize that our relationship has issues, but can we please try and work them out instead of ignoring them? Oh, damn, you're walking away. Shit. Yeah. That's almost and like... Also, they have fun music videos. Like, that entire summary is pretty much a Mountain Goats uh, <laughs> title. <laughs> Maybe I should listen to the Mountain Goats. I keep yeah. hearing things about them. Yeah, I hear they're good. I will always recommend The Who. From, uh, not, the Who is good. Yeah, not WHO Who. I'm talking about... Uh, H.U. Who from Mongolia? Oh, right. The other Who. Yeah. The Mongolians. <laughs> Have we ever mashed up the Who and the Who? Ooh. That might be interesting. Have we ever mashed up Mountain Goats and Screaming Goat compilations? No, I haven't. Oh, so there's this one cover of a Linkin Park song that I really liked. The um, 80s remix? Mongolian remix of... Ooh. Yeah. 
So the guy does uh, tube and throat singing, and it was he was singing numb, and it's really good. As for individual artists that I've been listening to, aside from The Who, there was a country song that I really liked called All the Cool Girls by uh, Haley Wetters. And I downloaded a lot of Matt Mays. Matt Mays is a really good Canadian artist. Uh, Stan Rogers. Look up Stan Rogers if you like folk. In fact, even if you don't like folk. <laughs> this one person I follow, uh, Janelle Cuomo, the Fat French and Fabulous podcast, has recently moved to Halifax. And <laughs> she joked once that you can get all of her street to start singing Barrett's Privateers just by shouting, like, the first lyric. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're 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 at an hour forty five recording, yeah. so okay. let's quickly answer Christine's last question, which is: Would you reboot a restaurant? I think I can't if think it's of a... a restaurant that really got away from what I, from what it started has. See, I feel like I've mused on this before in, on my own. I don't have anything on my to do list, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility. I would say, yeah, I f- I feel like I need something to happen. I need some kind of brain blast to do a specific restaurant. Yeah, and I think it should be a franchise restaurant, not like a specific restaurant. I'm rebooting the mom and pop grill down the street. I fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, a Chad, would reboot the keg. <laughs> nah. You know what needed rebooting? If the keg is the Chad, then who's the virgin in this situation? <laughs> Swashelle? Yes, that is correct. That yeah. is the right answer. <laughs> I think that's where we need to end this episode. <laughs> so this is a special episode. No friendship promo this time. All right, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyGangUpstart. And you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not a fire, but you first, and that's pronounced. Life can taste as good as Swiss Chalet. <laughs> you can also email us at notafirebootyoufirst at gmail.com. You can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or what restaurants you think we should reboot, uh, so that we have a jumping off point, I guess. Um, if you'd like to have a friendship promo on this podcast you can send us that via email it can either be an audio clip or just a proof for us to read either way we'll promote your podcast YouTube channel, your DeviantArt page Uh, we just like promoting things for free Yay! or if you want to be a guest you can contact us but if you do make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised we have a Patreon that you should not donate to because there are other more important things happening like fighting the wildfires, fighting the police and just fighting injustice in general I'm sure if you follow either of our personal feeds, we'll be retweeting plenty of important things that you can donate to. Yeah. Um, But since we have patrons, we are going to thank them. So we want to thank Charlie, Cassidy, Christina, Jenny, and Julia. Thank you all. And if you want to support us without donating to us, then you can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. And if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get you in there. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. Our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. Lindsay! Tanner! 
that's a wrap on year two. Yay! So we all know what that means. It's that time of year again. Next next week, ha- season, year three, season four, hashtag Frozen is coming. Or is it? <laughs> is it? I think it is. I do Maybe. still have to... I have to re-listen to our uh, previous Once Upon a Time episode to find out where we left off. Yeah. I gotta write some shit down. We're taking notes! Uh, but in the mind tomb, we will see you all next week, but not if we reboot you first! Bye!